Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. This is Mother Miriam, Mother Miriam Live. Hold on one moment. I need to go. Are you there? Hello? Hello? Okay, I'm so sorry, everyone. We had a, a, another little uh, problem. Kind of a pop. Um, okay, you know, yesterday our uh, sound went out and we did the program by video by my phone. And uh, we're trying to find the, the problems. So if we have problems today, beloved, we will continue by phone. Don't, don't worry about it. Um, uh, you'll just be seeing me, and I can't see you anyway. So there. <laughs> I love you all, and I'm thrilled to be with you. Um, I want to mention something that many of you do know. Uh, hold on. I just have to do this. Okay. Many of you know that... Um, uh, the uh, our the the defending our faith faith conference is scheduled tonight, highlighting Bishop Strickland here in Tyler, Texas, um, and it begins today, Friday, September first. The check-in is at four p.m., welcoming remarks at seven, and Dr. Janet Smith, Ph.D., uh, who I absolutely love, uh, heroine of the church. She's going to be speaking at 7.30 on the current rise, current crisis in our mother church. And then they'll be followed by a holy hour with Eucharistic adoration and confessions. And tomorrow, Saturday, um, beginning at 8 a.m., there's a rosary to Our Lady of Victory. And then a first Saturday mass by Reverend Thomas Hoare, SSE, 8.30 a.m., then there's a little break for a half hour, and then the keynote speech by His, Excell- His Excellency Bishop Joseph Strickland um, at 10 a.m., and his title is Proclaiming the Apostolic Faith with Clarity and Boldness. And then I'm going to give a talk following Bishop Strickland uh, at 11.15, and the title is Obedience as a True Act of Faith. Obedience. As a true act of faith, there'll be a lunch break for uh, an hour and a half, and then Father Thomas Hoare will speak at 2 p.m. on how to pursue a life of holiness in this diabolically oppressive world. Then there'll be Divine Mercy Prayer at 3 p.m., the Divine Mercy Hour, and then Father Paul Weinberger will give a talk at 3.15 on the triumph of Our Lady of Victory in the final battle and then there'll be a concluding Mass with His Excellency Bishop Joseph Strickland at 4 p.m. tomorrow. So tonight, registration begins at 4, and, um, and then tomorrow, um, uh, the check-in is at, uh, let's see now, uh, Rosary begins at 8 a.m. Let me just see, if you go to DefendingOurFaithCatholicConference.com, Defending Our Faith Catholic Conference.com, uh, you will 
um, you will get all the information. I'm I'm looking at its location to give you. Um, hold on now. It's at the W.T. Brookshire Convention Center in Tyler. Brookshire Convention Center in Tyler. Um, I don't have the address offhand, but um, Terry Barber versus Virgin Most Powerful Internet is radio is sponsoring this, and he will be there as well. Terry Barber had much to do with my coming into the church. So I'm very excited to be together with him tonight. So um, take a look at defendingourfaithconference.com. Um, and you can get all the information, hotel information, the actual event program, um, the speakers. There'll be five. And so it should be a, a truly one. I'm sorry I didn't mention this to you earlier. Things have been put together uh, a bit quickly, and I, um, uh, they're calling it a two-day spiritual D-Day, shattering the supply. Oh, I just, I just, um, I don't know what I just did. Hold on. Here it is. Shattering the supply line of the enemy through authentic teaching. Um, through our authentic teaching, um, our reparation of sins and the power of the Eucharist. So, beloved, if you haven't known about it before, um, uh, go on to the, the website, defendingourfaithcatholicconference.com. It's been advertised through LifeSite News and many other venues, um, and it begins tonight. And if you don't come tonight, uh, for Dr. Janice, I, I, would, I would go anywhere if I could for Dr. Janice Smith. But if you can't get here tonight, possibly you could join us in the morning for a full day with four speakers tomorrow and two masses, first Saturday mass and then a closing mass, which will be uh, the Sunday mass. So God bless you. And um, once more, defending our faith, catholicconference.com. And it's in Tyler, Texas. Okay, dear ones. Um, we um, began an article two days ago. I'm never going to finish this for you. Um, it's, it's from Voice of the Family, which I urge everyone to subscribe to. Um, and it's titled, The Sanctity of the Mother and the Cult of Ancestors. Um, and where we left off, it's talking about the importance of the mother, which, um, oh dear, my computer is acting up. I'm so sorry. All right, hold on now. We will get there. We will get there. Um, here, I've got it. Um, it's the importance of the mother, and I would say to many, this is surprising importance and role of the mother of the household, because in our modern society, we're so used to talking about partners and partnership. My husband and I are partners. You are not. If you are partners, you are not living your vocation. You are not partners. You are brought together in divine matrimony um, uh, and given to one another to live your individual vocations till death do you part. Um, but you have very separate roles. You don't share your roles. You have totally different roles. So if you want to call it a partnership, um, marriage is not a partnership. It's, it's, it's two becoming one flesh 
and living their vocations in God's design so that the family can not only survive but flourish. Um, there's a gentleman by the name of August Cochin, and now I'm back into the article, and he says this, quote, In the working family, the domestic figure is the woman. Everything depends on the mother's virtue and ends up by modeling itself on her. Dear ones, so many wives and mothers call in. What should they do about their husband? He's, he calls himself Catholic but don't, doesn't go to church. He doesn't practice or he abuses them in language and all that. My answer all the time is you can't do anything about that. The only thing you can do is to live your vocation, to be the holiest woman, wife, and mother you can be, regardless of him. God will change him through you. That's what the scriptures say. It is the wife who sanctifies the entire family. To the father, back to this quote now, to the father, the work of gain of the household. To the woman, the care and interior direction. The husband earns, the wife saves. The husband feeds the children. The wife alone raises them. The husband is the... Hold on. Okay, the wife alone raises them. The husband is the head of the family. The wife is the link. The father is its honor. The wife is its blessing. In other words, people have also said the husband is the head and the wife is the heart. The happy, in, end quote, the happy influence of the Christian woman extends well beyond the home. The Viscount de Marmigny said, and I don't know who he is, I'm quoting uh, this article, quote, God created among us these numerous, and again, this article was written in 1905, so all these people he's quoting... Um, understandably are not so familiar to us because they wrote before 1905. <clears throat> he, he says, God created among us these numerous generations of pious women to whom we owe our national character, just as Rome owes its own to its great pontiffs. He gave us the Clotildas and the Bathildas, the um, Regaduns and the Blanches, the Isabels and the Yanes, uh, Genus, I'm, I'm messing up these names. In, the last, in these last centuries, pious queens worthy of them. Shepherdesses vie with princes, princesses. The Virgin of um, St. Genevieve and the Virgin of um, St. Joan of Arc. Um, There's a whole list of women here. A whole legion of holy women from all conditions and ranks make the sweet influence of Mary, their model, penetrate everywhere. Every single virtue, every single saintly mother and wife, saintly daughter, is so because she models after Mary, who is our mother, who gave us the Savior. There's the music, dear ones, for our first break. We'll be right back after the break, and we'll continue with this until the second break, at which time we'll take your calls, your emails, um, with anything on your heart, the toll-free number, one 511 5483 or email at com. 
Hello, this is Father Jim Netto of the Diocese of Portland, Maine. In Krakow, Poland on the 2nd of June, 1938, the Lord Jesus himself directed a young Polish Sister of Mercy on a three-day retreat. Sister Faustina painstakingly recorded Christ's instructions in her diary, that is, a mystical manual on prayer and divine mercy. These instructions became Faustina's weapon in fighting the good fight. Jesus began, My daughter, I want to teach you about spiritual warfare. Secret number 12. If someone causes you trouble, think of what good you can do for the person who caused you to suffer. In this secret, Jesus reminds us that being a vessel of divine mercy is a weapon for good and for defeating evil. The devil is about hatred, rage, revenge, and unforgiveness. Others have hurt us at different times. What good can we do in return? Returning a blessing breaks curses. We must not allow charity to suffer as a result of what others have done to us. Penance is, in any case, to be judged more by what it gains than what it renounces. If Christ is the way, we Christians are on the way. We are followers, moreover, in cross-bearing. We come behind him. Identification with Christ's passion is an idea that the mind can grasp. Thus, in the wounds others place upon us, we can find our trust for eternal life. Our wounds can become our merits. The identification is with Christ and his cross. May we always take advantage of the crosses sent to us, and from them may we bring light into darkness and ultimately life into death. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live. I am she, and so far the equipment's working perfectly. Uh, thanks to uh, the Station of the Cross, wonderful engineers, and a very dear friend we have here, Brian. So um, I would say keep your fingers crossed, but I don't think that does anything for electricity. So I'm going to continue um, a quote we're reading. This is the, the beauty, the importance, the vocation of the mother. And again, it's not a partnership, husband and wife. It's not a partnership. If the husband helps with the dishes, it's because he's living his vocation, not because he is um, partnering, so to speak. Um, uh, so let me continue here. He says, whilst, whilst salvation of Italy has come to us, above all, by its holy pontiffs, in, it has also come from the apostolate of women. In the 18th century, kings, magistrates, Savants and even pontiffs were sleeping, but the women remained heroically faithful. And when the men said, I do not know this man, his kingdom is not of this world, the women silently, silently followed Christ and his vicar to Calvary. We owe to our mothers and to our sisters the foundation of honor and of, chival 
a chivalric devotion, which is the right, which is the light, life of France. He, he possibly came from France. We owe them the Catholic faith. Disciples of the Queen of Apostles and Martyrs, women have made their hearts pass into the hearts of their sons. Women are the soul of all good works in France. Now, we're reading this today um, in, the, in light of the utter tragedy of the loss of faith in France. It's, it's just the whole faith is gone in France. Um, but then it wasn't so. Women are the soul of all good works in France, from Peter's Pence to the propagation of the faith. And it is the breath of their mother and their sisters which carried the defenders of the Holy See to Rome. I know more than one young man who would be in the papal um, zooaves, I don't know what, Z-O-U-A-V-E-S, if he had followed the secret desires of his mother. I only know one whom a Christian mother stopped. The father could weaken, never the mother, never, either before, during, or after. A mutilated son was her pride, and when before the body of a martyr, God said at the bottom of her heart, your son is with me, gratitude smothered her sorrow. More than the blood of her son, she loved his glory." Dear ones, reading this uh, reminds me of the story of the seven sons, the Maccabees, who were martyred because they would not adhere um, to the king. And their mother stood with them, and um, um, uh, one by one watched them die. And when the, the last one, the youngest of the boys, um, uh if, if he even hesitated, the mother gave him a magnificent speech, and she said, I bore you in my womb, I raised you uh, to honor God, give glory to him now. And the son turned himself over and was martyred, and, the, and at last the mother was martyred, watching her seven sons go before us. It's one of the most magnificent stories in history. And it, this last statement uh, reminded me of it. Mary, their model. Hold on. That sound is coming over here. Mary, their model, had taught these mothers how to sacrifice an only son to God and the church. No, said Pius IX to the story of these sublime immolations. France, which produced such saints, will not perish. The first time that the heroic widow of George de po- I don't know his name, uh, Pimodin, saw the Pope. She did not say to him, Oh, Holy Father, give me back my husband. But, Oh, tell me that he is in heaven. And when Pius IX responded, I no longer pray for him, she asked him nothing more because she had understood that she was the widow of a martyr, and that sufficed. Women are the soul of everything which has moved France and by her the world. At Castel Fidardo, um, the Zouaves, Z-O-U-A-V-E-S, I'm going to have to look that word up, fought before the eyes of their mothers, present in their thoughts by the walls of the sanctuary where the queen of martyrs begat the king of martyrs, all in marching toward the enemy 
repeated these words, my soul to God, my heart to my mother, my body to Loretto, to their mothers, to Mary, who inspired them all, went the honor of the battle as the knights of old and later the fighters of the Vendée, they had learned on their mother's knees how to die for God, the church, and their country. Beloved, I'm reading this with you for the first time. It is so incredibly inspiring to me. And I want to say, with that last statement, they had learned on their mother's knees how to die for God, the church, and the country. And I'm going to say, if you don't know how to die for God, you will not know how to live for him. You will not know how to live for him if you are not ready to die for him. I think of the statement of Dietrich um, um, von Hoffer, Bonhoeffer, who said, when, a mo- when a God calls a man, he bid him come and die. In a beautiful study published in the Defense, uh, Defense Social of 16 April to 1 August 1903, under the title Le Progrès, Progress, Monsignor Favier notes that modern civilization is attached by its origins to Heleno-Latin antiquity. Let me read his, his quote. Quote, the gospel differentiates them, but unites them because of their affinity. This affinity comes from the fact that Greece and Rome, contrary to what happened to the Orient, had never excluded the woman from social life, such that feminine genius had taken part in the development of their civilization, which was by this very fact more apt than Eastern civilizations to receive the evangelical craft. Beloved, when I think of hundreds of years of this feminist movement, it it makes me ill because women don't have a clue who they are or the vocation God has given them. God has raised up, just read the Gospels, read the Gospel of Luke. God has raised up women beyond everyone else. Can you, uh, he, he chose a woman to bear his son. God could have brought his son into the world any way he wanted to, any way. He didn't have to come as a tiny babe through a woman, but he did. And it was that woman who raised him and who taught him. The woman that he created as his own mother raised him and taught him. Um, God has honored women, uh, I think, above all things. He's done with Mary what we will never even begin to understand this side of heaven. Continuing with the article, the Germans, in establishing their empire, carried into it the superstitious respect which they had for the woman. The church of women, just look into history. Read the Gospels and look into history. And you will see that women are honored uh, above all. The church purified this sentiment, reserved the purity of mortals to the first rank in men's esteem, and so opened on the world all the treasures of the heart and of the intelligence of woman, doubling the resources and field of action and progress. Monsignor Favier continues, quote, <clears throat> It is by the woman that the Christian nations have received the gift of piety. Dear ones, if you are of the feminist persuasion 
and you negate this, you are ignorant. Ignorant doesn't mean stupid. It means you lack knowledge. You are ignorant of history, ignorant of the Gospels, ignorant of our Lord's high, high calling on women. Monsignor Favier says, It is by the woman that the Christian nations have received the gift of piety. It is from her that they hold this faculty of communicative emotions which sway crowds, of sudden and irresistible awakenings which sometimes raise peoples above themselves, their mercantile interests and their repose, of precipitating them in the way of sublime adventures which are the great steps of humanity. What people know it better, what people know it better than their own. It is not only by the heart that the woman is associated with the work of progress. It is not only heat and movement that she has communicated to it, by which she has raised Christian civilization above what the world has ever seen. She has served it no less by her intelligence, the prompt and instinctive intelligence of the woman whose penetration masculine intelligence cannot equal. I'm going to repeat that. The prompt, the prompt and instinctive intelligence of the woman, whose penetration masculine intelligence cannot equal, has views on the moral world. It cultivates in the family a sense of the good. It gives the intelligence of first truths. It teaches them by its acts, by its judgments, by its manifestation of its esteem and its blame, end quote. Women, whatever has been done to you, however you have been belittled um, or put down or thought dumb or stupid or incapable or you have a husband that lords it over you, do not rebel, do not argue, Become holy. Live your vocation. Live the vocation God has made you first as a woman, then as a wife, and then as a mother. Live a vocation of love and of power by living the virtues. The article continues. For the last two centuries, there have been very few men in France who have not let themselves get wrapped up in the revolution whether or not they wanted to. Now, again, this is written in the early 1900s, so we're talking um, 17 and 1800s, which covers the French Revolution. Women, on the contrary, have the same instinct for the truth as they do for charity. In them, all apostasy, all cowardice, all weakness of mind or heart fill find inflexible judges. You know, I'm thinking of Mother Teresa of Cal. Calcutta. As I read this, nothing stopped her. No one's opinion. She lived fully the vocation of her womanhood and her calling as a religious. Oh, dear ones, let me just see. I know we're going to have... Hold on a moment. We're just about. We're not quite through, but I'm going to continue this tomorrow. It's too wonderful, and maybe I've got you lost in all this um, dense reading, but it is truly wonderful. Go to Voice of the Family, um, and uh, you'll find the article on, um, 
on on the uh, vocation of the mother. We'll be right back after the break. It is a scientific fact that life begins at fertilization. Every human being is a human person. It already says in the 14th Amendment of our U.S. Constitution that all persons are to have equal protection under the laws. Yet we have an ongoing mass murder of our little pre-born brothers and sisters under the big lie of abortion. The Supreme Court must explicitly affirm federal protection for our last excluded class and end this constitutional crisis. Use your voice and sign the petition now at thestationofthecross.com. Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I discovered the Station of the Cross rather providentially a year ago. I've been a loyal listener ever since. I can't overestimate the value of the station, what it's made a difference in my life in terms of making me better informed Catholic. It has enriched my faith and sold me during tough times. It made me laugh on several occasions. I commend the important work of this great apostolate. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I listen to the radio. And if I can listen to something that brings me closer to God, closer to Jesus Christ, then it's the most beautiful thing. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. Joe McLean here, host of A Catholic Take, heard on the Station of the Cross each weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern. A bold synthesis of information and inspiration, keeping you up to date on the news and issues that you may have missed from a courageous Catholic perspective. That's A Catholic Take, weekday morning, 7 a.m., right here on the Station of the Cross and the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. Download it today. God love you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is normally our half hour together. And I thought it would be today, but I, we really need to finish this wonderful article. And James reminded me that um, Monday is Labor Day. We won't be able to continue. So uh, we'll continue the article on Tuesday. Um, you'll have programming Monday, but I won't be live on Monday. So we'll continue the program Tuesday. And I'd like to finish the article today. Before I go back to it, we have a call from Jordan from Iowa. Uh, Gordon, rather. Hi, Gordon. Uh, good afternoon, Mother Miriam. How are you Hi. today? I'm fine. You've called in before, Gordon, haven't you? Yes. I, I remember. Uh, since tomorrow is the first Saturday of the month, I, there's two points that I think I'd love to be able to stress. And that is, first of all, uh, I learned that... Uh, in the first Saturday's devotion manual, which is distributed by Fatima and USA Incorporated, that in the early pages of the book, it tells Lucia was talking to our Lord, and she asked if it's enough to just have the intentions of making the five first Saturdays, in spite of the fact that the person is not uh, consciously 
making the intention of making reparations to our most blessed Mother Mary's Immaculate Heart. And our Lord answered in the negative. So it's very important that all of these, uh, the Holy Eucharist, uh, the Mass, uh, the Rosary, Confession, and the 15 minutes of meditation be done. You got it. With a conscious intention of, make, of making reparations to her, Mary's heart. And yes. uh, the other point is uh, if you decide to do the five first Saturdays, if you make up your mind and uh, you will be opposed, there'll be all kinds of obstacles. I've found over the years that given. Mm-hmm. anything and everything comes up. Satan does not want Anytime to. we want to live for God, Gordon, huh? Anytime but, the uh, enemy's at it. But in the Catholic faith, uh, it teaches that with temptation, uh, there's always a way out. That's and right. God, God always provides a way out. And that, those, that's the uh, two things that I wanted to stress. So don't be, uh, don't be dismayed if their obstacles come up because uh, where there is a way. Gordon, you are. A very dear soul, I thank you for your call. And if you hadn't explained all that, I would have from the Fatima website. Um, what you're quoting is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation or trial has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, who will not let you be tempted above that which you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape. And when we think of escape... We think of getting out of it. Get me out of here. But God's way of escape is through the trial, trial, and we come out more formed. Okay, Gordon. God bless you, my brother, for calling. Thank you so much, dear one. We're going to go back to our article now and see if we can complete it. Um, let's see now. Um, where are we? Um, For the last two centuries, I'll repeat the last sentence only, for the last two centuries, there have been very few men in France who have not let themselves get wrapped up in the Reformation. And again, we're talking about the French Revolution, rather, not Reformation, whether or not they wanted to. Women, on the contrary, have the same instinct for the truth as they do for charity. In them, all apostasy, all cowardice, all weakness of mind uh, or, or heart find inflexible judges. They love the church and their country, Christ and his mother. They love them more than themselves, more than riches, more than their children. We saw instances of it at Matana and Castle Vidardo, and for them, this love takes the place of knowledge. In France, they are the firm support of the society of the church. The revolution knows this only too well, It knows the number of brothers, sons, and husbands preserved, snatched from the secret societies by simple working women, by simple peasant girls. Without cease, the revolutionary has been plagued by this feminine war, whence its complaints, its plots to pervert the heart of woman, but the women of France are hardened by 100 years of incessant battles again. This is written at the beginning of the 19th, 1900th, beginning of the 20th century. The article goes on, The spirit of family begets that which has been most justly uh, called the cult of ancestors and is nourished by it 
Cult is not a bad word. It means to give uh, worship is two words, worth-ship. It is to give someone their worth, the, the worth they are due, the honor they are due. This cult existed in pagan countries, but soon degenerated. It is alive in our Christian societies, and we see it constitute almost an entirety of religion in China. As an evangelical, dear ones, cult was a demonic sect. That's not what the word means. It can be, but it means worship. And when our worship is directed to the right end, it is uh, of God. Among the pagans, it would at first consist only in sentiments of gratitude of children for the father who had raised them and of the family for the ancestor who had made it what it was, who had given it the lesson and example of the moral virtues by which it has prospered. Little by little, as the venerated image of the founder receded into the past, it took on a more mysterious aspect, producing in heart sentiments of a more religious character. Soon they were translated into a cult, properly called. They offered sacrifices at the tomb of the ancestor and said to him, Underground God, be favorable to us. In addition, an altar was erected in the heart of the family home. You see, beloved, God has put eternity. That's the title of a book and and a verse of scripture. God has put eternity in their hearts. And people are drawn to worship the creator, even if they haven't had the special revelation of the word of God uh, printed and of, um, of the revelation of Christ. They know there's a creator. Um, and so an altar was erected in the heart of the family home. We know who God is. We have our Lord Jesus Christ. And those of us who are Catholic receive him in mass, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and all the grace of the sacraments, and all the teaching of the church, the deposit of faith which cannot be changed or altered. How many of us have altars in our home? Coals burned there night and day. They symbolized the soul of the family, the spirit of the family received from the ancestors and always living in it. Woe to the house where the hearth came to be extinguished. The fire must not stop burning on the altar until the family had perished in its entirety. The hearth extinguished and the family extinguished were synonymous expressions. Christianity has destroyed nothing of what has sprung naturally from the human soul, but it has purified everything. It too wants us all to keep the memory of the authors of our days religiously, to conserve their lessons and their examples, and to pass them on to the following generations. But in addition, Holy Church wants us to remain in communion with our ancestors, with father and mother, brothers and sisters, who have preceded us into the superior world. She wants us to pray. She, the church, wants us to pray for them and to them, to go, um, to go their aid and to have confidence in theirs, above all in maintaining ourselves on the path where, where they have put us and guard us. That's the end of the article, dear ones. We have um, um, 
we have a little time left, and I'm going to read some notes. Um, Alphonse de Lamartine, who uh, Harmony's poetique, poetique um, said, uh, despite the swerving of his imagination, Lamartine always kept the memory of Christian education that his mother had given him. More than two years before his death, he knelt to receive communion beside his mother during Holy Week. As Joseph the Maestro said, quote, if the mother has made a duty of imprinting the divine character on the forehead of her child, one can be just about sure that the hand of vice will never efface it entirely. The memory of a holy mother follows the virtuous man everywhere. Frederick Azanam, speaking of his mother, said, quote, When I am good, when I do something for the poor, whom she loved so much, when I am at peace with God, whom she served so well, I see her smiling at me from afar. Sometimes if I pray, I think I hear her prayer accompanying mine, just as we did together in the evening at the foot of the crucifix. Finally, often, when I have the blessing of receiving communion, when the Savior comes and visits me, it seems to me that she follows him into my miserable heart like so many times before she followed him, carried him in the viaticum into the poorest houses. That is the end of the article, beloved. Oh, dear mothers, I hope you have gotten a sense. And Papa, fathers, husbands, I hope you have equally, or more so, have gotten a sense of the vocation of your wife and the vocation of the woman you married as the mother of your children so that you can indeed lay down your life for her as Christ laid down his life for the church as Ephesians 5 says. Know your vocation. Wife, don't try to, don't fill in for your husband. Leave him to God. You live your vocation. Husbands, lay down your life for Christ, for your wife and family as Christ is church. Your vocation. Don't wait for your wife to take the garbage. Don't sit in your big chair uh, with a newspaper or whatever it is when you come home from work. Be the head of the family. Love your children. Love your wife. Help them in every single way. Teach your children. Find out what they learned in school that day. Help them in their homeschooling. Help your wife with doing all the chores and the cleaning. Be the man, the head of the family God has called you to be. And lead them in prayer. I don't care if your wife is better at it. I don't care. You are the man. You are the head. And it is the great failure of women to step into a man's role because part of the fall is that women are controlling. Part of the fall is that women would be controlling and want to having desire of their husband means to have desire to control them. And men are not interested in being controlled, so they check out. They check out. They either come attack, um, attack their wife 
verbally or in other ways, or they become passive and just leave everything to her and they don't want to get involved. If you have one of those two responses, men, shame on you. Shame on you. If your wife is lauding it over you, it's because you have failed your position, have failed your vocation as husband. Start living it. And wife, um, stay out of what is not yours. Stay out of it. Don't monitor your husband. You have enough to monitor yourself and your children. Live as a holy, holy woman of God and do not see yourself doing anything that you cannot picture Mary doing, even with Joseph. But Joseph was holy. Mary lived her vocation. She lived her vocation and all you need to do is follow her to live yours in love, in strength, without compromise. There's the music for our final break, beloved. We will have 10 minutes when we come back. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTagg discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Many committed Christians hold to this axiom. If it's in the Bible, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, here you go. 1 Timothy 2 states the following about women as related to church life. No braiding the hair, no gold jewelry, no pearls. Just learn in silence and do not teach. Does your pastor comply with these biblical instructions? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, an unpleasant fact. Many self-proclaimed Bible-only churches, sadly, will pick and choose what parts of the Bible are implemented in the life of the church. Secondly, Catholic catechism. Be especially attentive to, quote, the content and unity of the whole scripture. And thirdly, a tough comeback. In order to understand the sacred author's intention, we must take into account culture, audience, and the literary genre. So if your Bible-only church does not strictly obey those instructions, then tell me the reason why. Well, we know, you know, 80% of your church is handled by women. So with those instructions in force, many women will leave your church, maybe even the pastor's wife. Ouch. The Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network is dedicated to answering the critical need of access to quality, consistent, professional, and proven Catholic programming. We cannot rely on other media outlets to properly represent our church. Catholic Radio reaches Catholics, non-Catholic Christians, and non-believers alike. As a non-profit lay organization financially independent of your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We do have 10 minutes. Our lines are open, and you're very welcome to call in toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at motheratthestationofthecross.com. We read through an email from Ralph yesterday from YouTube, 
and I promised Ralph that I would take your email today and see if I could answer a little more than I did yesterday. It's, it's long, and I said that it's absolutely wonderful email. I agree with everything you said. I'll just read it as quickly as I can in our now less than 10 minutes and comment as I go along. And Ralph, let me suggest a couple of books for you. One is The Spirit of Catholicism, written by Carl Adam. The Spirit of Catholicism, written by Carl Adam. The other would be um, Evangelical is Not Enough. It's the story of 11 uh, evangelical pastors who came into the Catholic Church, believing it's the full measure of Christianity and the Church Christ established. Um, And um, uh, it's, it's edited by Patrick Madrid. So um, there are many, many other books. Catholic.com would be your website and their shop for any form of answers, questions, apologetics. Uh, Ralph, you say, what is there in the Catholic Church that is lacking in any other church that likewise confesses the Apostle Nicene and Athanasian creeds? And I said yesterday, if you look at 50,000 denominations who profess those creeds, you'll see that each of them has a different doctrine, a different way to God, and different requirements. Um, But the main thing is the Eucharist, the Holy Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of God, which is only through the Church Christ established and the priesthood that he established. Truly the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. Um, There's a book written by Mark Shea called This Is My Body, and if you can get a hold of it, uh, it might help you. Mark is a uh, also a convert from evangelical Protestantism and uh, deals uh, fully scripturally with the issue of the Eucharist. Then um, Ralph writes, also you make the point that the Catholic Church can be trusted, but the people who are running it may not be trusted. That's correct. It's not that they cannot be trusted, but not all of them can it evidence our current hierarchy. So, he says, can the current Pope and Magisteria be trusted? Well, Only when they speak what is true. Uh, Can your Protestant pastor be trusted? Yes, but if he goes against Scripture, you can't trust him in that. No one's infallible. And so um, the current Pope and Magisterium can be trusted only when they speak the truth of God, when they do their own thing outside of Scripture, outside of the Magisterium, the true teaching office of the Church, No, you don't trust them. They're human beings. He says, I'm thinking they cannot be. Well, as human beings, no. So the hierarchy of the church, not being trustworthy, not necessarily, but that's been the case a lot through history, isn't isn't the... Okay, he says, the hierarchy of the church not being trustworthy is not the trustworthy Catholic church at this point. And you are correct again. Um... The hierarchy is not the trustworthy Catholic Church. It is Christ who is the Church. We are his body. He is the head. And no matter what we do and how depth uh, of sin the Pope or anyone else falls into, it does not touch Christ. The Church, in his essence, is Christ. Christ is perfect. He is holy. He cannot sin. And the Church is perfect and holy. In its members, it's another story. 
an apologist by the name of Frank Sheet a couple of centuries ago said that the church is the cause of the holiness of its members, but its holiness is not determined by their response. Ralph says, in my opinion, what can be trusted about the Catholic Church is what it teaches that God's words teaches and when it practices what the Holy Scriptures teach. Absolutely correct. When the church teaches what God's word teaches and what holy tradition teaches that's protected by the same Holy Spirit that teaches the word, as Paul says to the Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2.15, keep to the traditions, capital T, not of men, but of God, that I have handed down to you, whether in word or in, in deed, it orally, either one. Um, but again, when it practices what the Holy Scriptures teach, absolutely. But again, from Martin Luther on, in his own time, people that followed him disagreed with the, his own interpretation of Scripture. Um, would God have left us a word? This is one question that had me... Um, um, I don't know, uh, determined in a, fe- in a sense to look into the Catholic Church. That is, would God leave us his word and not leave us a way to know what he meant by what he said? Again, 50,000, den- the Catholic Church is not a denomination. It is the church Christ established. But there are thousands of denominations. IRS has the figures. Each saying this way to God each having their own interpretation of Scripture by the Holy Spirit indwelling them. They can't all be right. They cannot all be right. Um, The early fathers, not the reformers, not Luther and Zwingli and Calvin and all of them, no, but the church fathers, Polycarp, who was discipled by St. John the Evangelist, the first century fathers, they were taught by the disciples what God meant by what he said. Ralph says, all through history, the Catholic Church has made serious mistakes in bad popes and bishops. Absolutely it has. So has Israel. But I'm not saying the Catholic Church is not more responsible, much more responsible. Ralph says, because every one of them were sinners. Right again. I cannot reconcile the organization headquartered in the Vatican with the one true and apostolic church founded by Jesus. Well, the one true... An apostolic church founded by Jesus was founded um, on the cross and the, um, by his death and following that, his resurrection and following that, the outpouring of his spirit at Pentecost. Um, and again, uh, Paul writes to the Ephesians that it's founded on the apostles and prophets, all Jews. Well, at that point, uh, Jesus had 12 disciples and one defected. And the fact is that Israel at that point was simply a remnant because most of Israel had defected and abandoned God and worshipped false gods. But God works through a remnant. Read um, Roy Shoman's book, Salvation is from the Jews. The salvation history from Abraham right to the second coming. God has worked with a remnant. And it was the remnant of Jews through whom the Messiah came that is the savior of the world. And um, they were an, uh, uh, the organization uh, headquartered at the moment in Jerusalem. Um, and they became the one true apostolic, Catholic and apostolic church founded by Jesus, first in Jerusalem, before the, the uh, headquarter moved to Rome. 
and no one who knew them would reconcile that with them as well. Most Jews, they were all martyred, every one of them, except the Apostle John, who was exiled to Patmos and eventually died in exile. They were all martyred because their own people didn't believe them. Um, He says those within the Catholic Church who are saved by Jesus are part of the one true church. Absolutely. There's no one who's not saved by Jesus. No one. You even admitted that true seekers of God outside the Catholic Church will be found by Jesus and saved. That's incorrect, Ralph. And I said this yesterday. There's the music for our closing. Um, The Catechism says those who through no fault of their own do not know the truth of the Catholic Church, but who live up to the grace of God they have been given, can be saved, not will be saved. That's true of Catholics who have more than anyone else on the face of the earth. If we live up to the truth of God we've been given, we can be saved. We can be saved. We have a moral assurance. If we don't turn from God, we will be saved. Um, So, Ralph, I don't know if that helps you so quickly, but um, God bless you.